Welcome to episode one with Michael and Eric, the podcast where we watch the first episode of a streaming exclusive show and talk about it. I'm Michael. And I'm Eric. And this week we watched She-Hulk. Attorney at Law. <laughs> oh, right. She-Hulk Attorney at Law. On Disney+. Plus. All right. Uh, what'd you think? I think this show was fine. Yeah, agreed. I think that it succeeded more at being a comedy than I expected and was much worse at being a superhero show than I expected. I feel like that's what they're going for. I guess so, but then the the thing that, that nailed the this is failing as a superhero show thing for me was that fight scene between her and Jamila Jamil's character at the end of this episode. It was fucking terrible. It was terribly shot. It was over and done in two seconds. And I'm pretty sure she's supposed to be one of the main villains of this show. That was Jamila Jamil? Yeah. Another good place actor. Yeah. We're nailing it. I The thing that downgraded the show for me was the breaking of the fourth wall stuff that they were doing. The only it when it first happened, I, I was caught way off guard. I just thought that that's a weird choice for this show. But when I think of this show as a comedy and not as a superhero thing, it worked for me. I don't, right. I don't mind it as a, a device. And I don't feel like they leaned on it too much. They only did it a couple of times. Yeah. But Tatiana Maslany, so good. I've always liked her. What what We talked about this last week. What is she, what's she from? I don't recognize her. She's from Orphan Black. Right. Um, right. And she plays... I mean, the premise of Orphan Black is that she plays somebody who discovers that she was part of an experiment and she was one of many clones that have been just like dropped all over the world. And she goes and she like meets her different clones and they have all the, uh, you know, all the intrigue and suspense and all this around like what's going on. But she has to play multiple different clones and multiple different backgrounds and accents and everything she just nails it and i know she won one emmy award but why she didn't like get brian cranston level of acclaim for what she did is beyond me like Hmm. so good i've never watched that show but i'd recommend it it's it's good okay i'm gonna look up uh tatiana Maslany and orphan while you're looking that up I'm going to pose a question that I've already researched, but when I saw the title of this show, it was one that I hadn't considered before. Why, why does, why is she an attorney at law? Aren't all attorneys like law attorneys? Um, but have you ever thought about that before? Like it's attorney at law. What, what other attorney is there? There's got to be one. There is. I looked it up. (laughs) Okay. uh, (laughs) Attorney at law is somebody, I mean, it's obvious. There's attorney in fact, which is basically a POA, a power of attorney. So somebody who doesn't necessarily have to have. And then there's private attorney, which is somebody who's representing a business, like a a business, not necessarily in legal matters. Oh, got it. So there you go. All right. Here's who beat. Tatiana Maslany for Emmys for lead actress in a drama series. Viola Davis in uh, Annalise Keating for oh in How to Get Away with Murder. 
Uh, so Tatiana Maslany should have won that year. She was nominated for playing various characters. Elizabeth Moss was nominated that year too for Man Ben. Then mm. Tatiana won. Then Elizabeth Moss won for ha- oh Handmaid's Tale. Shit. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> that wins. <laughs> I should we talk about what happens on the show? Yeah, let's talk about what the show's about. It's about She-Hulk. Attorney at law. It starts off as her getting ready to give her closing statements on some case she's talking about. But then her and her uh, paralegal are talking and she jokes about her hulking out. And I thought that was... She hulking out. Well, she said hulking out, not she hulking out. Oh, then she said it wrong. I don't think so. I I think it's the little... Anyway. Um, (laughs) I was... So while she was talking with her paralegal who brought up that she was hulking out, that's when she first breaks the fourth wall. Because at that point, I did just think it was a joke. We She hadn't become the Hulk yet, or She-Hulk yet, or whatever the fuck we want to call it. And that was just a colloquialism in a world where superheroes actually exist. And then she breaks the fourth wall and says, oh yeah, no, I actually, like, I can Hulk out whatever now. And then we find out how that happened. Yeah, which is weird. How so? She's riding in a car with her cousin, Bruce Banner. Yeah. They crash into a spaceship. Well, they avoiding a spaceship, but splitting hairs. All right. Uh, uh, Bruce Banner bleeds on her a little. Into her open wound. Into her open wound. And now she can also hulk mm-hmm. because of uh, her genetic makeup. Yeah. Which I want to put a pin in because... Somebody gonna try to breed hulks? Somebody's gonna try to breed hulks, right? Um, let's take that pin right back out. That was the plot of the incredible not breeding so much, but that was the Incredible Hulk, the one with uh from fucking Fight Club, Jesus Christ, Edward Norton. <laughs> Fuck. Um with him in it where it was this what they were trying to start him in the cinematic universe, and then he was a colossal asset to work with, so they ended up bringing Mark Ruffalo in. But the whole plot of that one, and it will become spoiler pertinent to episode two, because I've had that spoiled for me, is that... I'm going to watch episode two. Okay, well then, I will back that way off. Okay. Um, Then, no, I mean, yeah, great idea. They're going to breed hulks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then... Bruce Banner hulks out, kidnaps her, to his secret tropical hideout and says she can't leave. And they get in this whole big debate about how she's like, you don't even have a life. You don't have any friends, blah, 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 blah. You never see your family, all of this stuff. And I was like, they were just riding in a car together, like on a friendly visit. What do you mean he doesn't see his family? And then like when she leaves, she's like, okay, see you at family dinner. And I was like, I thought you were trying to, one of the points you were making was that he never sees his family. So two things. Number one, it's a shitty joke that I'll see you at family dinner. There's no world in which there's anyway. um, (laughs) There's no world in which they're having a family dinner. Number two, the the only way he was able to uh, see her in the first place is because of the fact that he could inhibit this Hulk thing in him now so that he could heal his fucking arm. Up to that point, for however many years, he'd just been constantly the Hulk. So he he put on this wristband and the first thing he does is call up his cousin? Basically, yeah. All right. Road trip! 
I'd watch that. Where were they going, by the way? I don't know. But I guess, oh, well, no, he can't make one of those wrist things. He was like, no, I can't do it for some reason. I can't wait to watch the pitch meeting for this. Yeah, the the I can't do it for some reason is one of the first of a few things that really pissed me off about how lazy the writing got on the show. Because I can't is the dumbest excuse, especially when ostensibly he could say it may take me like honestly the response could have been it may take me three years to do that because this was a prototype and you know it fell out and now i'm the hulk again so whoopsie did i ever tell you my idea for if they were gonna do a hulk tv show um uh, how they should treat the hulk is that the hulk the uh the person should hulk out maximum once a season and it should just be like treated like with the severity of like a nuclear bomb going off. I think that could be interesting, but I don't know how compelling it is to watch someone have to keep themselves calm for ten episodes. If we're talking a streaming show, well, then you do like a, a Tom Clancy type intrigue where he has to be a what's the show with um, John Krasinski on Amazon Prime? Jack Ryan. Yeah a jack ryan type like but i'm just an analyst type thing where he gets thrown into this thing with shield and he's going on all these adventures he has to do all this science shit and he's just like the whole time like i cannot hulk out over this yeah but i think to do that shield has to ignore that they're carrying around a nuclear bomb at all times if we're going to treat it with that level of severity shield what yeah no i agree but that's what i'm saying like i think the reverse is more likely which is that shield isn't bringing him to be an analyst and then it's just them trying to piss him off constantly so that he... <laughs> that could be fun, too. <laughs> no, just like, on. you have... Shit, I would watch a show for just the guy that is there to, like, slightly piss off Bruce Banner. Like, tying his shoes together or or changing the code on his locker so that he can't get in. Yeah. Just little things to try and, like, move the, t- the time bomb along. Like, Bruce Banner is not realizing it, but this guy's, like... Like, this is your partner, Joe. And the whole time, Joe's just, like, kind of a dick and pressing Bruce Banner's buttons. Yeah, that could be good. Uh, Chopsticks and Cheetos? Brilliant. Yeah, but, like, five years ago. What do you mean? I mean, that I remember seeing shit about that, like, five years ago. Oh, I never saw that before. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Shay puts him in a solo cup and just pours him into her mouth. Sure. You could also just get like a funnel and and dump the whole bag in and or a feed bag like a horse. I'm so glad she doesn't listen to this podcast because I'd get like an email like your Amazon orders on the way and like click into it like oh what what's she ordering? You like you've ordered Cheetos funnel five Cheetos Cheetos funnels. Be like oh no i had to return that one because you can't use the flaming hot cheetos on that one yeah you had to get various gauges various different sizes because if you want the the crunchy cheetos or if you want the puffy cheetos you're gonna need a different size right. nozzle yeah right also okay i'm jumping around a lot i'm sorry steve rogers wasn't a virgin did you watch the mid-credit sequence no Oh man, that that had me fucking busting a gut. Uh, so it's them. So to level set, uh, there's a joke that uh, what's She Hulk's She Hulk's name? I didn't write it down. She Hulk. Okay. Anyway, the She Hulk when she's not a She Hulk, 
is talking with Bruce uh, on their road trip about her conspiracy theory that uh, Captain America was a like was a virgin and never had sex. The mid credit sequence is you remember during the show they uh, he tells her one of the benefits of being a Hulk is you can't get drunk because you just burn through the alcohol so fast. She is drunk in the mid credit sequence, like just absolutely wasted, uh, still as a She Hulk or whatever, and is talking about and expanding upon she eventually hold on i wrote it down it was her getting really sad and upset saying steve rogers got to do so much for the world and he never got to experience sex and did you see that ass that ass did not deserve to die a virgin and the hulk finally just breaks down and he said steve rogers did not die he was not a virgin he lost his virginity in 1943 on the u.s uh, with someone from the uso tour and she goes, I knew it. And like breaking, he's like, wait, you weren't drunk? And she said, I knew it. Steve Rogers fought. And then it cuts out. <laughs> that is funny. It was really good. I was going to say like plenty of opportunities for him. And then after he does the whole uh, shifting into the other timeline and spending the rest of his life with, is that June Carter that he? Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter. Yep. Obviously. But before that, I was, I was like, no, yeah. Had, that guy fucked. He had plenty of downtime. <laughs> yeah. Especially, fuck, during the blip, the five year. Well, the, the, assuming this takes place after the blip, which I think, we did. was it confirmed that that happened? I think so. The yeah, timeline's I, so fucking confusing. He had five years where he was fucking running a, a, a group therapy session. He had enough downtime to run a group therapy session. He also had enough downtime to fuck. Right. And he also could have just, like, walked into any bar he wanted and been like, you... <laughs> He was Captain America. You see this ass? This is America's ass. <laughs> yeah. You want to fuck America's ass? Yeah. I'm going to grab uh, LaCroix. You need anything? Uh, I'm good. Okay, what do you got next in your notes? Uh, there was a surprising amount of accurate information. <laughs> That's it, everyone. The podcast's over. <laughs> It's a running gag. Is it? Yeah. It's not the first time I've done it to you. Maybe that's why I'm so filled with rage right now. Because my my I don't remember that, but my anger reaction is up here right now. <laughs> Anything I could do to bring you down? No. Nope. I'm just gonna hulk out for a minute. <laughs> There was a surprising uh, amount of uh, factual and accurate information about dialectical behavior therapy in here. That was the mode of therapy that I did the most when I was a therapist for years because my supervisor was somebody who was big in that world. Was that when they were meditating and stuff? Meditating, and there were a lot of catchphrases, for lack of a better word, but like skills that he named as far as the idea of accepting two things that seem opposed both being true anyway but yeah when they brought it up i was like yeah here we go it's just gonna be some trite bullshit or whatever but it was surprisingly accurate nice there was a lot in this show like i said it i failed as a superhero show because that that fight at the end with jamila jamil's or jamila jamil's character was dog shit like it wasn't just that it was boring it was also shot really weirdly there were i don't know way too many cuts in the span of 15 seconds of a fight 
but where it didn't work as a superhero show, I laughed a lot during this show. Like, there were a lot of bits, and it wasn't just the fourth wall breaking stuff. Like, there were a lot of very funny bits, not just the Steve Rogers fucks. Like, when he's trying to calm her down because she's hulked out, but... (laughs) He's like, whoa there, girl. Whoa there. Like he's calming down a horse, but then she calls it out. It was really fucking funny. I laughed a lot about that. I laughed at her uh, expressing some confusion about why a lullaby ever calmed him down, which they did for years in the, in the Avengers movies and was always a little silly. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how much more I have to say about this show. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to watch it again. I'll probably watch it each week. Time to talk about the rehearsal. I think it's time to talk about the rehearsal. Okay. This is for Nicole and Marnie. I watched everyone else stop listening. Also, if you're going to watch the rehearsal and haven't watched the rehearsal, I've watched the whole thing and I'm going to talk about the whole thing. So if you don't want it spoiled for me for you, which you probably don't, just go Stop listening. Go give the podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next week. <clears throat> You've only watched the first episode. Correct. What'd you think? I was, when I texted you, was probably, how long is the episode? An hour? Yeah. About that. So it was probably 35, 40 minutes in. And I was fucking invested. But let me tell you, those last 10 minutes were so cringe, I'm not sure I'm going to keep watching. Yeah. uh, Just for the people that don't know what the rehearsal is, it feels like everybody's talking about the rehearsal these days, right? Probably. Yeah, but the rehearsal is a show by Nathan Fielder from Nathan For You fame, which I'd never seen Nathan For You. Nicole made me watch an episode of it when we were stuck waiting for a Jimmy World concert to not be rained out anymore um, because she was just like, this is the funniest fucking thing ever. And I watched it and it was like pretty funny. But which episode was it? I don't remember. I'm sure Nicole could tell me because it was she was uh, uh, obsessed. We were talking about it the whole drive up. There's a level of cringe humor I can't get past. And this this that show was it. And this show wasn't it until the very last like 10 minutes or so and then it was just really uncomfortable yeah so uh the premise of the show is nathan fielder takes people and he basically coaches them through something that they're going to do so the first episode a guy is a part of a trivia team and he either lied or lied by, by omission started with omission became right an actual lie yeah uh, to his team that he had a master's degree years ago and it's just been like snowballing on him since like one of his teammates are sending him like uh, job listings but they all need a master's degree and he doesn't have a master's degree and he wants to like reveal this so nathan fielder is gonna rehearse this with him hires actors like builds a replica set of the the place that they're gonna do it and all this and like uh talks him through and this replica set is fucking detailed this isn't just some slapdash bar it is down to the fucking balloon that is up in the rafters that no one even recognized was there right yep basically that's the premise of the show for the first episode the second episode there is a woman in Oregon who is in her mid-40s and is thinking about starting a family 
she would like to go through this. So she doesn't have she doesn't have she's not married, she doesn't have any prospects, but she would like she's very Christian. She would like uh, a man in her life. She's more than likely going to adopt at this point in, in her life. Nathan and the replica bar set travel to Oregon. <laughs> Rent a house, put her in the house, and the goal is that every week or so, they're going to age the kid another three years. So the first week, she's dealing with a newborn, uh, or maybe the first month. The next, she's dealing with a three-year-old, nine-year-old, all the way up to 18. She also has to find a partner in, like is like going on tinder and meeting somebody and then she finds somebody who has similar values to her and invites him to do this this guy is also a character of course rather he what you're saying is he's a plant right no okay he he is one of these guys who like he sees a number and talks about how god is giving him a signal and stuff like that he's also like uh smoking pot all the time and like driving this car and stuff he's bonkers but so she invites him to do this he goes okay i'll do it and she's like we're not gonna have sex he's like oh man i love fucking she's like nope we're not gonna have sex all right halfway through the first night the baby cries or the robot baby cries because uh another thing is is that due to child labor laws they have to switch out the actors playing the kids every like six hours (laughs) and they try to do it seamlessly so they are like uh like she'll have the kid in like a, a thing and she'd like set it down and start loading the car and so they'll run up and switch it switch it out real quick <laughs> or, or she'll like put him to bed and they'll come in the window and take that child actor out and put the other thing and uh they've got all the parents like very involved he is like talking to the parents and like making sure so she's like i want to put lavender oil on their feet and he'll go to the mom like they want to put lavender oil on the baby's feet and the the, the real mom will be like all right seems kind of dumb to me it's Uh not gonna hurt my kid uh so the baby cries he's like nope not doing this i'm out and Uh he leaves so they need a man to fill this role so nathan fills nathan steps in Uh uh-huh he's trying to do rehearsals that are uh that he set up in oregon Uh one of which is a gentleman who's trying to get his inheritance, but his brother is in charge of distributing the inheritance, and it's built into the will that if the brother in charge of the inheritance has any suspicions or um, any unease about his brother's partner and their intentions with this money, uh-huh. to not give the brother the money. And so the brother's trying to convince him, like, no, my... My girlfriend's fine. She's not a gold digger. She like, you know, all this and they're going to do the rehearsal. And Nathan goes, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm totally undercutting. You were going to do wild speculations." Too late. Go on. Okay. He goes, "One thing I learned from the very first trivia guy was I didn't account for like his emotions during the thing because if you recall, yeah. if you like, yeah. So I'm going to try to tap into this guy's emotions. So what he does is he hires an actor to play the grandfather of the actor playing his brother. The actor playing his brother as himself, not as his brother, after the rehearsal, says, Hey, 
I gotta go help my grandfather move some stuff. Do you mind helping? And the guy says, oh, yeah, sure. And goes, makes a connection with this actor playing the grandfather. The the other guy leaves. So now it's just the guy and and the actor playing the grandfather, who he thinks is really a grandfather. They, like, form a, a connection and stuff. And then the next day, Nathan tells him that he's dead. And then the next day... The day after that, going forward, he does not hear from that guy. Nathan does not hear from that guy again. Rehearsal's over. Uh, uh, and then it was it was bonkers. Like, I was like, what? He's just playing with this guy's emotions at this point. Are you following this? Um, not even a little. <laughs> I feel like I could use that one in particular. I could have used a diagram. I, yeah. Yeah. But continue. Eventually, all these other rehearsals fizzle out, and he's just doing the kid re- uh, kid rehearsal with the <clears throat> other one. And um, he's Jewish, and so he's like doing things like maybe we could like try to instill some Jewish values, and and she's like no, nope, and all this, and she's like getting all controlling and all this stuff, and. Eventually, uh, he calls her out on it, and she just leaves. And now it's just like him and the kid. And he's like, "Fuck it, I'm still doing this." So now he's him with child actors in a rented house in Oregon, doing what the fuck I don't know. Is this all the the second episode, or like from the second from the second episode on? on. Yeah. Okay. Loose thread, and maybe I missed you say something, but why did he bring the bar with him? Because oh. Because he spent so much money on it for the first episode, it seemed a shame to not. But does he do anything with the bar from that point forward? He goes and hangs out in it sometimes. (laughs) In one of the episodes, he opens it up as an actual bar. Uh (laughs) And people don't realize it. And he starts walking around going like, oh, hey, I'm Nathan, you know, from Nathan's Grubbin' Pub. (laughs) And everyone's like, cool. Cool, yeah. Yeah. And it's just all these levels of manipulation. And I don't know what he's doing. Uh, But he's, like, manipulating people, um, exploiting people. He starts an acting class. And he encourages his students to pick a person. He He doesn't use the word stalk. But he encourages them to stalk that person, to study their characteristics, and then come back and just pretend to be that person. And then he'll do something like, okay, I didn't quite, I, something didn't quite feel right about that class. I'm going to redo the class. I'm going to have an actor play me, and I'm going to play one of the one of the students in the class. And he'll sit there and do the whole class verbatim as one of the students while somebody plays him just to see if he can figure out what went wrong with the class and how he, how his, how he feels about what's going on. And the whole thing is just layers and layers of him having somebody play somebody else, including him, so he can step into somebody else else's role to try to see what it's like to be them and he he just keeps going with this and then the last episode of it um one of the mothers of one of the kids um reveals to him that the kid has now very confused between reality and this pretend that he's doing and thinks nathan is his real dad and so it's just him dealing with it and 
it's bonkers he he's i mean he's hiring other kid actors to play that kid actor he's like doing all this stuff it's crazy dude and i think it might be brilliant like it it (laughs) hold on hold on hold on i'll be very clear this feels a little like we've just watched this episode uh of community this feels a little like the episode where the dean is getting so involved with his uh uh commercial that he's shooting but annie is his production assistant and in the end she she's just like i don't this i've come to a conclusion the dean is a genius because if he isn't a genius then what has all this work been for yes so this is absolutely what i'm getting from you right now which is he's a genius because if he isn't what did i just spend 10 weeks of my life watching maybe but also it does deal with and raise a lot of questions about like people's roles with each other manipulating people um trying to learn how to be a person like all this type of stuff is is what he's doing my biggest issue is that like if these are actually real people that he's fucking with no no just based on the first episode alone if that guy isn't a real person um he deserves an emmy for his acting because that guy screamed so hard for me somebody who is on the spectrum and was really lacking some really basic social skills oh yeah which is what made the rest of that episode really fucking awkward particularly towards the end of that so in one of his permutations of like walking him through explaining his lie to uh, one of his trivia teammates he discovers that oh that he, he this guy is way too focused on actually winning this game of trivia that they're playing right and so he finds a way to figure out the answers to this trivia game that's going to be happening the night that he's going to tell his friend that he lied about his masters gets those answers and then spends the whole two weeks that he's training this guy how to tell his friend also slowly trying to plant the answers to the quiz questions in his mind and fuck me if that didn't like between that and some of the other shit that felt manipulative on a really shitty exploitative level yeah and a lot of this show feels like that like the decisions he made the my the the thing he does that I had the biggest problem with was the thing with the grandpa where he That's fucked. Yeah. That's fucked if it's real. So that so this this either like this to your point I'm taking Nathan out of this equation altogether. Either these well I'm not. Okay. So it's it's one of two possibilities. Either these are some of the greatest actors known to man, which it's possible. Maybe they they shot that they edited this really well, got the best takes of everybody. Or this guy is a fucking monster. Like, well and truly a monster. And he addresses this in the last episode. So then I'm led to believe one of two things yet again. HBO has come out and already renewed him for a second season. And literally, I think their press release just said, we don't know what he's going to do, but he can do whatever he wants. So either they know that these are all actors and that's kosher. Or they're also monsters for enabling this fucking monster. Like I, I don't, I don't find this funny. I was genuinely rooting for this guy because he, he felt so like there was, there was some basic social like there was a lot of this that felt a little like therapy 
for somebody that has social skills issues like that. It was a lot of social skills training, walking through possible scenarios, talking through what those are like, dealing with the emotions that come with that. But the shit that he was doing to manipulate him against his will feels unethical to a degree where I don't know that he should be allowed to do this show anymore. He's a psychopath. I think uh, a third option is that they're not actors, but they're more in on it than than we're led on. Either nope. maybe even after the fact. No, I don't. I don't buy that because I don't. I cannot imagine a world in which someone either knew about this ahead of time and acted that well. Or found out about it afterwards and didn't feel so like they, either that or they threw money at them to get them to be okay with it. Right. And either way, that still leads me to my dichotomy, which is either these are great actors. Somehow they found random people that got told about it ahead of time and pulled out great acting jobs out of their ass. Or HBO got them to shut up about how exploited they were by giving them a lot of money. Yeah. And I think... <clears throat> I think that that's even going to raise like a larger discussion too, because even if these people have been exploited and manipulated and Nathan is a monster, what's coming out of it is not funny and maybe not even entertaining, but like doing something and like making people think about, think about things that you'd, don't usually see in like TV and, and, and stuff. So I get that something comes out of that, but, but the but ends justify the means. This is going to feel extreme, but I think it's the most apt this analogy has ever been. It's a little like Nazi scientists. Like <laughs> it's great and wonderful that we learned a lot of things from, you know, Nazi science and that sort of thing. But the means to which we had that they went through to learn those things by experimenting you know, horrible shit to fucking people. I do not believe that it's worth it. That, I do not believe any amount of entertainment or learning is worth exploiting people to that degree. That's a really good comparison, actually. Who's the guy? Mangala? Mang- yeah, I yeah. sure. Yeah. Fuck. Yep. So long story short, Nathan is either uh, great at finding acting talent or he's a Nazi. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, let's not call him a Nazi. Nazi scientist, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if he'd appreciate that, th- these comparisons. The one episode of Nathan For You I watched after this was about him um, realizing that the brand of uh, sport coat that he was has been wearing and it's been his favorite coat, and he showed him with in pictures wearing all of these. Uh, the founder was a Holocaust denier, uh-huh. so he decided he was going to make his own brand of sports coats, and uh, the whole point would be uh holocaust education okay. and so um like if you get the website's up like you can buy these things and the website's up and it's just like it shows the model modeling it and then it'll be like the photo is like six million do- six million jews died in died in germany yeah <laughs> yeah and that type of stuff <clears throat> it was pretty funny but uh yeah especially with how much how much this the the rehearsal deals with this judaism and um, him come, trying to come to terms with that—that's that's a un, uh, major theme. Like he like discusses with his fake wife, like doing this, and she's like, "No," because it denies Jesus Christ. And he's like, "Oh," and then um, just secretly takes the kid to to meet a um, uh, tutor for um, the Torah. Yeah, yeah, the tutor for the Torah, and. Um, the tutor eventually figures it out and it's like this isn't cool maybe i just talk to the woman and uh 
goes in to talk to the woman and within 45 seconds says, I can't talk to this person. I would, I do not deal with anti-Semitics and walks out. So yeah, I may have gone too far calling him a Nazi, <laughs> but it's a good comparison. But I, st- yeah. I stand by that analogy so hard. Yeah. Oh, well, would you watch She-Hulk again? The last five minutes of the show made me say no. Okay. Mid credit sequence made me say yes. Uh, the the stinger at the end where she gets in the fight and then she like unhulks and then just turns to judge and goes, I'm ready for my closing statement. I was like, I like that. I mean, yes, it, it was pretty telegraphed, but it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, want to wrap it up? I guess. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's been episode one with Michael and Eric. Fuck. Uh, What's the matter? I don't know. This... Uh, all the Nazi talk threw me off. Uh, if you like the show, leave a rating or review. Go to an Apple store if you have one nearby and leave like seven rating reviews, maybe. Eight uh, or nine. Eight or nine. You could even. Ten, maybe. Ten? Eleven? I could see that as a real possibility. Twelve, Not twelve, but thirteen, absolutely. Uh, well, thirteen's unlucky, so you might make it fourteen. No, I'm good with thirteen. All right. <laughs> We can't cannot cut out too many numbers, or else we'll never get these fake reviews. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. It's at podcast episode one. Check out our website. It's episode one podcast.com. See you fucking next week. If you want to see more great improv. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah.